0: Is it next week that's Mother's Day? Yes. I'm going to give you a Father's Day then today. I usually don't get topical like that, but we're actually going to pick up on what we talked about last week, and that is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a big subject, so we're going to look at Joshua 24:15 in our... Text this morning is one verse. Let me read that verse to you. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua has declared, my family, we will serve the Lord. And after some serious thought and observations uh, about the father figure in today's society, the TV sitcoms and uh, the ones that you can still watch, <laughs> the father figure is perhaps the least respected person in a family. All the children seem to understand that dad is not really in tune with family issues. Mom usually runs interference for dad who seems to be just a tad senile. But mom herself is uh, only slightly better than dad. And it's usually the children that are portrayed as having a real grip on reality. And many times the kids and mom will put a guilt trip on old unsuspecting dad and actually begin to maneuver him into their desires and wishes, into their way of thinking. On the flip side of that, you have many fathers that will vacate or hide from their responsibility of being the head of the family. And I think that's probably goes without saying for our society today. Some fathers can be a tyrant, where the wife and children live in fear of dad. And you will hear things, don't upset dad. He had a hard day at work. Dads deal with it. <laughs> That's all I can. And to lead a family, to be a good father and husband, is not optional for us Christian men. It's a right, a duty, a responsibility given to us by God himself. As parents... We only have a few years to shape and mold our children and their lives. And Joshua, he's determined now. His family, they're going to serve the Lord. But let me take you back to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis 18:17 18, through 19. You can turn there if you'd like. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed uh, in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord and do righteousness and justice. That the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. God has raised up Abraham. And he declares, I have initiated my relationship with Abraham for a reason. And that reason is so Abraham will command his children and his household to keep the way of the Lord. Abraham is known as the father of faith. He's instructed by God. Be a father, Abraham, who teaches his children the way of the Lord. Abraham is to be a good example to his children. And to be that godly good example 24-7, every day, all the time. As parents, we can be so careful about the education of our children. We can be a little hypersensitive about the activities that our children are involved in. We can be really concerned about the environment we set for our children, and that is good. And let me plug our youth group for a moment. (laughs) Our children look forward to coming on Wednesday evenings. And that encourages me. I honestly enjoy being around our youth. There are a great bunch of kids. Most of them are out of here and they don't hear this, but they are a great bunch of kids. Well, some of you are here, so I'm busted. (laughs) But our tendency is to say of Abraham and others like Joshua you know you had everything working for you you were under the patriarch system you had the mosaic law working for you and in the patriarch system under the mosaic law let me read you one of the options parents' head for a rebellious son. Deuteronomy twenty one, eighteen through 21. Now, these options are not available today, but <laughs> we'll read them. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son, who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when he has, they have chastened him, will not heed them, Then his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders of the city, to the gate of the city. And they shall say to the elders of the city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Not good things to say. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death. With stones so that you shall put away this evil from among you. And all of Israel shall hear and fear. Wow, pretty severe. (laughs) Notice the child who would not obey mom and dad. After they have chastened him, after they've corrected him, after they've done what they can to bring him into obedience. And he is still rebellious. This son who is out of control and they say a glutton and a drunkard, and those are pretty strong terms, he was to be taken to the elders of the city. And they would point out the benefits to this young man of being obedient, and they would have an intervention session with him. No, they would stone him to death. That is harsh. But that is the severity of a total rebellious child in stoning this childhood or this evil son to death you removed evil from your congregation you removed evil from israel that's under the mosaic law system let me give you one more what i call bad example <laughs> nadab and abihu sons of aaron the high priest The Lord killed these sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before the Lord at the altar. The Lord killed them. Fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died right there before the whole congregation of Israel. Because Aaron's sons... Nadab and Abihu, Aaron was the high priest. He was to set a standard, and his sons misrepresented God, and God devoured him with fire. Not only that, God sends Moses to Aaron, he says, You go warn Aaron, he is not to mourn the death of these sons, lest he die also. Because Nadab and Abihu have died by the hand of God. Under the Mosaic Law, there were strict guidelines for the behavior of children. Rebellion and disobedience could lead to death. But let's fast forward 1,500 years. And we come to Jesus, and Jesus is teaching by parables don't mistake a parable as just being a story I don't think our Lord Jesus ever had to resort to made up stories as a parable I think they're actual events and I believe that with all my heart but turn to Luke 15 and we'll look at Jesus as he tells a parable and it's the parable of the prodigal son. So, Luke 15, 11 through 32. Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and do to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of the hired servants. And he arose and came to his fa- father, But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us... Eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now the older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house, and he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has uh, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was, he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, I never transgressed your commandments at any time. And yet you never gave me even a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came and has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed a fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found. beautiful beautiful parable understand this story is one in which Jesus still has not gone to the cross why do I say that Israel is therefore still under the Mosaic law they are still under the patriarch system this father in this story had every right to bring his son or sons before the elders of the village and have them discipline these boys. In reality, this father had a right to say, my sons have been rebellious. They deserve to be stoned. But the younger son, he goes to dad, father, give me my inheritance and give it to me today. This younger son is saying, I am not willing to wait for you to die, Dad. I want it now. And to the surprise of this entire village and to the surprise of the, the family, this father divided to them, and it says them, not him, them. He divided to them, both sons, his livelihood. That now places dad as the caretaker of the wealth of his sons. Dad now works for the sons because he gives them his livelihood. The younger son, he can't wait to go out and spend his wealth on party life, prodigal living. And soon that will come to an end. But That's not unusual for today because when we look at a comparison most lottery winners today are broke or in debt within five years of winning the lottery. But they're always the one, excuse me, who thinks they can handle the wealth. I probably could. Yeah. But how long does it take this young man to party out the money, to spend it all? Not very long. But then a great famine comes to the land where he finds himself. And he finds himself that he has no friends and he is dead broke. And we read where he says, I would have filled my stomach with the pods which I now feed swine." It's interesting, in today's world, China, the nation of China, has a great love for pork. And they buy soybeans from all over the world to feed pork because they have a great consumption of pork. And these pods is nothing more than uh, seeds, that uh, soybean seeds, the same type thing. And this is what this young man is now feeding the swines. And in verse 17, we read, what the father has hoped for, what the father has prayed for, happens. The younger son comes to himself. He came to himself. In the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar is walking about the royal palace of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar is caught up in pride and he declares, is not this the great Babylon that I have built, my royal dwelling place? And while the words are still in his mouth, There's also a word that comes from heaven. Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom has departed from you. And Nebuchadnezzar is then off to the pasture and he eats grass and hay like an oxen. And it says for seven seasons, he grazes out in the field. Now that's either one and three quarter years with the seasons, or that's seven years. Still long enough. <laughs> and at the end of these seasons, Nebuchadnezzar's reasoning, his mind returns to him. And let me read you Nebuchadnezzar's real Come to Jesus moment. <laughs> and he had a come to Jesus moment. Daniel four, thirty-four through thirty-seven. And at the end of this time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? And at the same time my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me, my counselors and nobles resorted to me, I was restored to my kingdom, and excellency and majesty were added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whom the works are truth, and his ways are justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. Nebuchadnezzar, the greatest king who ever lived according to God, is completely humbled by God. Can you imagine Nebuchadnezzar's out there grazing like an animal, like an oxen, it says, and his mind returns to him as he's grazing that would be that would be quite a moment. He probably thought this is not a good way to live, <laughs> but we also have reasoning returning to the prodigal son when he comes to himself and he says how many of my father's servants have plenty to eat and I am starving I will arise go to my father confess my great sin my great rebellion and I will ask if I can be a hired servant That, by the way, is true repentance. Sorrow coupled with confession of sin. Their younger son returns, and he does repent. And he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, no longer worthy to be called your son. And the son is restored. But the older son is upset. He's angry. For he hears the music and the dancing and he wants to know from a servant, hey, what's the big occasion? And the servant tells him, your brother has returned and your father has received him safe and sound and has killed the fatted calf for him. But the older brother, he pouts. He will not go in. He will not join in the celebration and the Older brother now accuses dad of being unfair. And he calls his brother, not his brother, but it's your son. He's your son, dad. He's not my brother. Your son has devoured your livelihood with harlots. And you kill the fatted calf for him. But you never gave me even a goat for all my faithfulness. Why? And that's his big question, why? But let's look at the father's actions now. The younger son, while he's still far off, in the distance, the father sees him, has compassion on him, and runs to greet his son, fell on his neck and kissed him. For the father to see this son afar off, he had to be looking for him. He's longing for the day that his son will return, come to his senses in return. And he throws a banquet for the younger son. He puts the best robe that he has on him. He places a family ring on his hand. He puts sandals on his feet. The father is overcome with joy. My son who was dead is alive again. And now the father will deal with the pouting son, the angry son. And he says, son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and he's alive again, was lost and is found. But we see the hardness of the older son's heart. He's not content to live and work alongside of dad. He's not satisfied with his father's livelihood, Him. His father would probably have given him what was customary, two-thirds of the wealth and one-third to the younger son. He's not satisfied with that. He's now rich because of his father, and it's a sad commentary of the older son. Even though he receives love and compassion from his dad, he begrudges his father being compassionate to his brother. The father in this parable shows compassion towards his sons, not just the younger one. And he chose to be compassionate by not enforcing the Mosaic law for disobedient sons. He could have. This father demonstrated love through compassion. This father is living out what Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it's a mystery to anyone who knew this family, knew this rich man, that he chose to show compassion To love his rebellious sons. The younger son, he's very foolish, very wasteful. The older son, who lives with the father, works with his father on a daily basis, has failed to see his father's love. He does not know his father's heart. this father showed great wisdom and love towards his sons both of whom deserve punishment they both did but both received compassion and love from their father and Jesus tells this parable for a reason Jesus is wanting to illustrate His father's love for mankind. And we can read this parable. And we can find ourselves in either of these sons' category. I sort of identify with that older brother too much. What a great challenge we have to understand and to appreciate the love of our heavenly father our heavenly father who gave his son to you to me to all of mankind so we can have free access and fellowship with him gave us his son amen amen let me get you to stand with closing prayer Father, help us to love and appreciate and be thankful for your grace and mercy towards us. Forgive us when we get judgmental, like the older son. Forgive us when we get wasteful, like the younger son. Lord, let us have a heart that goes after you and then sees your compassion, sees your love, and relishes in that love. Let us be a people who appreciate you, our loving Father. Help us to do that, Lord. We pray for the help of your Holy Spirit in leading us, leading us and guiding us towards you, Lord. Thank you for loving us so much. and We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.